So I have the, again, the wonderful privilege of introducing RT. Um, RT was with us twice yesterday, two sessions. If you missed those sessions, I want to encourage you as lovingly as I can to go and watch them. Because let me tell you, the anointing and the presence of the Lord was here yesterday. Uh, and I really felt, you know, this is a timely message that RT is preaching. Yesterday he preached on uh, what hell would be like, what heaven would be like. And today we're going to hear a bit more from him. But this is a timely message. We're all called to understand that there is a mission on our heart that God gave us. And we have to go and fulfill this mission, the Great Commission. And so I'm excited to hear what RT has to say today. I also want to say that I respect RT very much. Probably the most learned individual I know. And not... Not, a, not, not learned to the extent where he is of no earthly use to us. He is amazing. Uh, he has impacted our ministry in this church uh, so much, just in terms of our theology. And RT, I just want to thank you for depositing us again. You are welcome. You have an open door here. Both you and TR are welcome to come to Hope Rock Church anytime. Yeah. We'll roll out the red carpet for you. And you, this is a, a home for you as well. I know that Nashville's nice and cooler than Texas, but we have a home for you. So RT, over to you. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor. I have not mentioned my books this time, but I think I should now. We didn't bring that many, uh, because if we bring too many, we have to take them back. And so, three books. Um, all of these new. Um, first of all, I've written a book called Receiving the Isaac Promise. I preached or gave a talk of oh, almost 40 years ago in London in which I made the claim, which I happen to believe, that the charismatic movement is Ishmael. In the same way that the Lord said to Abraham, one day you will have a son, and the son uh, that came was eventually Isaac, but Abraham couldn't wait. And he slept with Hagar, and Ishmael was born, and Abraham assumed that was the promised child. Turned out Abraham was wrong, and one day God said to Abraham, Sarah will conceive. Isaac is coming. Well, I took that analogy at uh, the first Word and Spirit conference, I think, ever. The first of all of the Word and Spirit conferences was in London, Wembley Conference Center in 1992. Well, when I gave that address, all the charismatics turned against me. And I understood that. They said, you call us Ishmael. Because I think the charismatic movement, although raised up of God, and there was a purpose for Ishmael, have thought they were the last word before the second coming. And they said, we're it. This is it. This is the outpouring. Last day's ministries. And I said, no, you're Ishmael. But Isaac is coming. Well, I can tell you, nobody liked it. But that has changed. I mean, completely changed. And a leading charismatic publisher uh, ran into me in the airport in um, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 
a couple years ago and begged me to let him publish it. And so this book uh, by Destiny Image, very charismatic publisher, has taken the risk. I don't know what people will think of them, uh, <laughs> but it's called Receiving the Isaac Promise. And I make the case and I give a history of charismatics, Pentecostals, and then show the next move of God will be Isaac. Amen. And I happen to believe it's coming very, very soon. And uh, that's what this book is about. I've written a book called The Lord's Prayer. I go into every little line, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. Every line. I take the view everybody should pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Louise and I pray the Lord's Prayer daily, every day, have for years and years and years. Yesterday, I called her in Nashville, prayed the Lord's Prayer with her on the phone. We do it every day. And I don't think many people understand the Lord's Prayer. It is a complete prayer. You pray that, you've covered everything. And I, I would urge you to get this. And then a third book we brought. We only brought three. I've written probably 80 or 90 books. It's hard to know which to bring. So I brought the la three latest. Prophetic Integrity. I wrote this book to show that prophetic people, if they get it wrong, should admit it and say so. But they won't. All these people who said Donald Trump will have two consecutive terms. God told them. God told them. And they got it wrong. And they said, but the Democrats stole the election. I said, well, if they did, why didn't God tell you that would happen? <laughs> but they won't climb down. Their pride. It's, it's disgraceful. And... Uh, one lady that I respect highly, well, her name is Susie Hawkins in Dallas, a great Bible teacher, the wife of O.S. Hawkins, said this is the best book she's ever read in her life. She's read it twice. This book is not just about the danger of prophetic utterances not being of the Lord. It's about the glory of God. It's of the presence of God. And that's what this is. So these are the three books and uh, take them. Yes, and uh, if it will help get rid of them, I'll sign them before I go to the airport <laughs> after a while. But thank you, Pastor, for inviting me to come again. This is our third visit. And um, maybe the last, may not. I'm 88 years old. And at my age, I don't want to be too presumptuous. I have reason to believe God is not finished with me yet, but that's in His hands. And it's been a joy to be with you again. What I've done on my trip this time to Austin is to come with a trilogy. And this that you're hearing right now is the third in the trilogy. I started out yesterday, what will heaven be like? I followed it. What will hell be like? And this morning, what will the judgment be like? And I want to read to you from three passages. Uh, first, 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. As it is appointed that a man wants to die after death, but judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the things done in the body, whether good or bad. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. So, don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will bring both to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. And then praise will come to each one from God. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this, His most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I turn to you one more time. Perhaps the last time here, only you know, but I ask now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every person in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be heard as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument, vehicle, to pass on what needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be very, very clear, very, very simple, so that everyone gets it. And may this be a life-changing word, and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What was said about both heaven and hell is also true about the judgment. We'll know a lot more five minutes after it takes place than all the speculation this side. But we do know a lot. And it's all based upon the Bible. Uh, we're not told all we would like to know but we're told all we need to know. And so in this sermon, I will not try to determine the chronology of the details, because we'll find out then. But what I will attempt to do is show what I believe with all my heart. You can put me under a lie detector. In fact, if I knew, I would die five minutes from now. And whether my word would be weighed for everybody to hear. This is what I believe. I would go to the stake for what I'm going to say in the next 30 minutes. Why is this sermon important? It's because people forget to face an undoubted fact. It is the one verse in the Bible everybody agrees with. There is one verse in the Bible that everybody agrees with. You know what it is? Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for men, for people, to die. We're all agreed on that one. 
Everybody's going to die. And yet, we don't talk about it. People don't want to face it. They don't want to talk about it. They dismiss it. They live in denial. I call it the big elephant. I want to write a book one day, God willing. I want to call it the big elephant. You know the phrase, elephant in the room? Everybody knows it's there, but nobody talks about it. And so, people don't talk about death. What politician in the last several weeks have you heard mention death? Movie stars don't want to talk about death. Late night TV hosts don't want to talk about death. Preachers, I'm ashamed to say, don't want to talk about death. This is why John the Baptist said, and this is the first message of the New Testament. It's amazing how people miss it. There, there it is right at the beginning. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. John the Baptist, opening words. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Could I ask you that? Each one of you. Is anybody, can you recall anybody who has warned you? Did your best friend? Did your mother? Did your father? Did your dentist? Did your physician? Who? The reason John the Baptist could ask that question is because somebody should have warned you. And so they do you no favor not to warn you. You may get offended if somebody warns you, but they're doing you a favor. You may get angry with them. You're going to die. Well, recalling the recent wildfires in Hawaii, one man who escaped was interviewed and said, I felt sorry for him. Our streets are gone. The city is gone. My life is gone. But I thought about that man. I wonder if he realizes he's going to die. He may have forgotten. He's still going to die. Life at its longest is still short. And I have to tell you, eternity lasts a long time. As my friend Tim Delina puts it, eternity is too long to be wrong. And so we are all not only going to die, you, I, will stand before none other than Jesus Christ God Almighty, on that day, it will be a trial before a righteous judge, and it will be a fair trial. This is because Jesus Christ is the righteous judge. Amen. He's not into politics, Amen. was not appointed by a politician, yeah. 
He cannot be bribed. He's your creator. He knows everything about you. As if you were the only person that ever lived. St. Augustine said that God loves every person as if there were no one else to love. I can tell you, you will be judged and you will get God's attention as if there were no one else. You may have been one of those who said, well, I want to tell God a few things. <laughs> yes. You'll get to. You'll have your day in court. In my talk today, I want to talk about two promised days, two promised disclosures, and two promised destinies. First, what are the two promised days? They're guaranteed. Number one, the day of your death. The other is the day of judgment. It is appointed unto men, women, once to die. And so, as I said, Hebrews 9.27 is the one verse everybody agrees with. We're all going to die. But what people don't know or agree with, they don't want to know, the reason you die. Have you ever wondered why you die? Why can't we just live on and on and on and on and on and on? No, we're going to die. And the reason for dying, the Bible tells us, is because of sin. If you never sinned, you'd never die. Genesis 2.17, on the day you eat the fruit, said God to Adam and Eve, the day you eat the fruit, dying, you will die. You will surely die. And Adam lived hundreds of years, and then you have those words, and then he died. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin... Well, no, what is your pay for sinning? You have a job, you get paid, you get wages. Well, you're going to get paid for sinning. You know what it is? You're going to die. Avoid sinning, you'll live forever. But all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you've sinned once in your lifetime, it's too late, you're going to die. You see... God knows what day that will be. Science will never find a way to avoid death. Maybe one day, life sentence for most would be around 70. It might have reached in the late 70s now. No one knows exactly, but you're going to die. And once you die... That's it. And that is when you will be summoned before your Creator and give an account of your whole life. And so you will be told 
In the same way, you were born on a certain day. And I don't know if you know this, but God knows the day you were born because he's the one that determined when you would be born. According to Acts 17, verse 26, God planned your birth. He planned where you would be born. Some of you were born in Texas. Some of us who are cut above the rest are born in Kentucky. And some really deprived, born in South Africa. God shows your parents. He's in control. That's one day. The next day is the day of judgment. Two very important days. And God knows what day that will be. And it's when you, you die, right after you die. Death is when your mortal body ceases to live. Your heart stops beating. Your eyes stop seeing. The drops in your intravenous feeding stop dripping. And it's over. And the only life you've caught, that's it. Some people are blessed with a sudden death. I think we'd all like that. I would. We all hope for it. Some are put through a time of pain. I've always admired Billy Graham's answer. They said, Billy, are you afraid to die? He said, I'm not afraid of death, but I fear dying. And it turns out that when it was 91, he said, 90 was the worst year of my life. He says, don't do 90. <laughs> he lived until he was 99. Some die in pain, but you're going to die. You might hope that death would be the end of consciousness. Wouldn't that be lovely? It's over, as if you never lived. But I can tell you, wrong. You will be more conscious after you stop breathing than you've ever known in your lifetime. And I can tell you why I know that. It happened to me once. I've longed for it to happen many times since, but it happened once. Years ago, driving in my car in Tennessee, unexpectedly, the glory of the Lord filled the car. The presence of God was so real. I mean, more real than you are right now. I couldn't believe it. Everything was so real, real, everything outside. And there was the presence of Jesus. It was so real. When you pass from death to life, it won't be the end of consciousness. But now you're going to be standing before God as though no one else were there. It'll be with you alone. You won't have any friend next to you. Because God knows you, and he knows what you know. Mm. 
you will die alone. Speaking of Billy Graham, one of the high watermarks of our 25 years at Westminster Chapel in London, he preached for me. And um, I never will forget his sermon. It was on loneliness. No one will ever forget it. He pointed out that you will die alone. Your loved ones may gather around your bed. They may even weep with you when you know you're dying, but you'll die alone. Following the day of your death, the day of judgment, it will be on a certain day. God knows what day that will be. Jeremiah 31, verse 6, there will be a day. The Old Testament prophets, again and again, they talked about, they call it the day of the Lord. In fact, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, on that day. He didn't have to say what day it was. Everybody knew what he meant. On that day, they will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not done many works in your name? Because what you will do, you will say, Lord, look what I've done. And you will look for every possible way of trying to convince God. Then I will say to them, I never knew you. Because you're trusting your best efforts. That's what people do by nature. Well, on that day. And by the way, it's a verse I don't quite understand, but I can just quote it. Jesus said, only the Father knows the day. He said, the angels don't know. Jesus said, I don't know. But the Father knows. It will be a day. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. It's kind of a preview of the whole book of Revelation. Here's what John said. Behold, he, Jesus, comes with clouds. I don't know why that is. I know this. Several verses talk about he comes with clouds. I don't get it. We know that when he ascended, he went up in the clouds. The two men in white apparel said he'll come back as you saw him go. He's going to come in the clouds. It's going to be so real. And here's what John said. Every eye will see him. It won't be in a corner. They also which pierced him. And get this. All the kindreds of the earth shall wail. W-A-I-L. Wail. Because of him. Question. Think for a moment. Have you ever heard the sound of a whale? You've heard crying, sniffling, boo-hooing. Did you ever hear the sound of a whale? I've only heard it once in my lifetime. It was when I was 15 years old. Chuck Dixon, who was famous in Ashland, Kentucky, because he was on the baseball team, star pitcher, was called to the Korean War. 
And he was killed in action. And everybody was shocked. And it just happens that my parents knew Chuck Dixon's mother. And so my dad said, we must go see Sister Dixon and comfort her. So we got in the car and went to her house. We couldn't get close because others had the same idea. People from everywhere went to see her. We parked a block away. And I can remember it now as though it were yesterday. A voice from their house that just went, Oh, oh, we went in, saw her. She never knew we were there. We left. Can hear that sound. It's a sound of hopelessness. You see, you wouldn't want to wail in front of anybody. They'd make fun of you. But on that day, every I was, <laughs> you have lost all pride, sophistication. You'll join. They all wail. What a sound. Speaking of wail, tell you a story. December 14th, 2012, just a few years ago, in Newtown, Connecticut, 20 children were gunned down by a madman. It turned out that a friend of mine, who's pastor of the church a mile away from that school, went to the scene. And as she went to the scene, the pastor's wife, others were there, all going now to the school to see if their child was killed. Because the word was out. Several dozen killed. Next door to the school was a fire station, and all the fire engines moved out to let the parents come into the fire station and wait. They were told, you just stay here. You can't go into the school. And the pastor's wife told me that she was allowed to go in with the parents. And they waited. Somebody would come in and say, uh, Mrs. Pearson, Johnny's fine. Here he is. You can go home. Another, oh, uh, Mr. Jackson, uh, your daughter Leah is fine. You can go home. But then she said after several minutes, they stopped coming in. And the parents knew that they would not see their child again. And Ruth Calvert told me, I will never forget the sound of the wails that went up. You see, when there's no hope, that's what it will be like on a day when God could not get your attention. You realize what a fool you've been, and it's over. So when does one wail? When the pain is so awful that you don't care who's watching or listening. Two promised days, day of your death, day of judgment. Two promised disclosures. What are the two things? The good, the bad. According to Jesus, 
Nothing will be hid. There's a verse in Luke 8, 17. I want to read it. It says, For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. So, everything's going to be out in the open. There's a verse, Matthew 12, 26, my least favorite verse in the Bible. I wish it weren't there. I don't like it. Matthew 12, 36, every idle word you will give an account of on the day of judgment. I hope you're not around to hear what they'll bring up on me. Every idle word. You see, the point is, it's out in the open. You can't avoid it. This is coming. And so, what's the good that will happen? Well, first of all, vindication of the Bible. Amen. That's what will happen on the Day of Judgment. You see, the book of God, the Bible, is going to be vindicated. In fact, the moment they see Jesus in the clouds, that'll do it. That says it all. But God is going to vindicate his word. In fact, Jesus said, my word shall judge you on the last day. Not only a vindication of the Bible, get this, vindication of God. The most maligned and hated person in the universe, God. Oh, how they hate him. Oh, how they hate him. But God will be vindicated. Amen. It will happen. Habakkuk was given the promise the day will come when God will clear his name. Jesus will be vindicated. The eternal Son of God. The Word made flesh. Everything the Bible says about Jesus, everybody will now see it. It's true. Those mistreated will be vindicated. That's why I read this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. You see, those people were accusing Paul. It's very sad that the very people Paul led to the Lord, some of them turned against him. The very person that led the Corinthians to Jesus, uh, somehow somebody got in and turned them against Paul. And so Paul just said, well, I don't even judge myself. It's a small thing for you to judge me. But it says, let's just lower our voices because the day will come when God will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. Then will come to everyone praise of God. And so if you've been hurt, maligned, mistreated, falsely accused, it'll come out. You'll be vindicated. Paul's last words. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. And for those who will be ready on that day, and you will be in on the most thrilling word you're going to hear throughout your life and throughout eternity. And that is when the Bible that you've upheld will be vindicated 
and God. People say, how could God be just and merciful and allow suffering? And people hate God for that. God will clear his name. And for those who have stood on the side of truth, I can't imagine the incalculable joy that we're going to get when we see that God has vindicated and we're on the right side. We say, well, we vindicated him when we, be, when we got saved. We just stood by God. We don't understand everything, but we say, Lord, it's okay. And those who would not say it's okay, but curse God. What a terrible moment. So the good will be revealed, the bad. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. This will take place at the revelation of Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence. The question is, will all of our past be revealed? This is the one point in my sermon that I will say there are two views, and I'm not going to come down on one side or the other. We'll find out then. One view is that everything will be known about everybody, good, bad, saved or lost. A friend of mine who says, well, those Christians who think nothing's going to be told about what their lives are like, why would they be exempt when God tells the truth about Jacob? He tells the truth about David. Why should we get off? That's one view. But there's, there's another view, and I choose to believe this one. That as far as the east is from the west, so far our, has, our transgression removed from us, that our sins are buried in the sea of forgetfulness and will never be known. That's the view I take. We'll find out then. But one thing is for sure, that pure justice for the first time ever will be manifest. You know, in this world, judges are sometimes bribed. Evil triumphs, robbers uncaught, people get away with murder, politicians are not found out. In this world, the Hitlers and the Stalins get away with evil, but Jesus is called the righteous judge, and you'll see justice for the first time ever. Two promised days, two promised disclosures. Finally, two promised destinies. It's either heaven or hell. Matthew 25, verse 46, sum, summarizes it. You'll either go into eternal life or eternal punishment. Matthew 25, 46. Heaven means eternal joy. Heaven means the end of death. Heaven means the end of suffering. Heaven, the end of pain. Hell, the final abode of those who have not embraced 
the gospel. Remember, Jesus is the righteous judge. An old friend of mine now in heaven, Mrs. Martin Lloyd-Jones, we were talking one day about eternal punishment. And people ask, how can God do that? Send people to eternal punishment. And Mrs. Lloyd-Jones said, I hang on to this verse. It's Genesis 18, 15. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? What he does is because he's the righteous judge and nobody will argue back. Well, I come to a close. I want to say the good news. <laughs> you can know in advance how your case will be tried. You can settle out of court. John the Baptist said, who has warned you to flee? Run from it. It's terrible. I'm part of that now. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. And yet there's an interesting verse. It comes out twice in 1 John. We, the possibility of being unashamed at the judgment and the, comp, the possibility of having confidence. I, I find that a little bit hard to believe. I would think the day of judgment be the scariest day of your life. But according to John, you're going to have confidence. Confidence. So I just end by asking you this question. It's to each of you. Don't pass it to somebody next to you. I'm asking you. Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Do you? If you were to stand before God, you will. And he were to ask you, he might. Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? You'll stand alone. There'll be no friend to nudge you and whisper the answer to you. Nobody to coach you. What to say? And suppose you are now having to answer. What would you say? What comes to your mind? What is your hope? What is your hope that you won't go to hell, but you will go to heaven? What, is your, what, what comes to your mind? It should have come to your mind already. If you thought, well, I've done a, my best, try to live a good life, I've not been a bad person. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes for anything in the world. And if it did not come into your head by now, already, because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, if that didn't come to your mind, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes for anything. But that can change in the next couple of minutes. I can give you a prayer to pray. You can repeat after me the words. You don't need to say it out loud. But just, if you didn't say the right thing, and you want to know for sure, and this is no joke, what I'm giving you right now is pure gold. Just say this in your heart. Lord Jesus, 
I need you. I want you. I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I invite your Holy Spirit to come into my heart. As best as I know how, I give you my life. That's it. Did you pray that prayer? I wonder, did anybody here pray that prayer? Are you ashamed that you prayed that prayer? Why do you say that, RT? Well, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Jesus said, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. And if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to come out of hiding. I'm going to ask you to share it with us. I'm not going to ask you to make a speech. But if you prayed that prayer, in the next 10 seconds, I want you to stand up right where you are. You say, in front of all these people? Yes, there's one. Any others? Stand. You're unashamed. You prayed the prayer. Remain standing. Remain standing. Five, four, three, two, one. Stay where you are. Remain standing. I want to say this about those who are standing. I don't know you. It's possible that before today, you came to know the Lord. It's possible that you were saved. But when you heard the gospel, you wanted to be sure you stood. You did the right thing. But it's also possible that this is brand new for you. Never before have you prayed a prayer like that or openly confessed the Lord. If that's you, you know what just happened to you? You've just been born again. Amen. Happy birthday. Amen. Now you can sit down. <laughs> Goodbye. God bless you. Thanks. Amen. Thank you, RT. That was amazing. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you did pray that prayer and you stood up, um, go and tell somebody else about it too. You know, go home, find a friend, tell them that this was the greatest day of your life. Go and witness to other people because the world desperately needs to hear what you've heard today. There is an end and there is a judgment and it's real and it's nasty. Nasty. And we don't want to be doing none of that. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you also need prayer, if you are also one of those people who made that decision today and you need some more information, we've got a book called Foundations, uh, which is really just to help you understand what your Christian life is about, what the gospel is in more detail, how to understand it better. Please come see us or go chat to Ryan. Where's Ryan? Ryan's at the back. He'll help you. It's, uh, he'll give you that, the resource that we have. Uh, in fact, even if you just want the resource, go chat to him. He'll give it to you now. I think he keeps him in his pocket. That's how awesome he is. Uh, for the rest of us, have a wonderful Sunday. RT, we were blessed, and we are so grateful. Uh, we'll be traveling, or praying for safe traveling mercies for you on the way home now. Please send our love to Louise, uh, and we look forward to having you again, Lord willing. Amen. Have a great Sunday, guys. Don't forget to your kids.